And then all of a sudden, I saw it everywhere I went. People started saying, they said that they were talking about in prayer today. It's not because they were trying to let me hear it. And I know it's not necessarily a new word, but it's just, it's breakthrough. Say that with me. Breakthrough. I'm ready for a breakthrough. Who's ready for a breakthrough? Whatever it is, it could be different things, but I'm ready. We're ready for a breakthrough. And we are in a fast right now. This church is, church-wide fast, 21 days, what we're going to talk about today. I feel like it's the right thing to talk about. I had something completely different planned to speak about today, but this is where the Lord's leading me, and this is where I'm going to go because of that. Now, I want to just say up front, we're in a 21-day fast as a church. Before I get into the content of what we're going to say, what I want to say here today, but I, I want to make sure people know. I don't want people to get confused. And most of you aren't, but I'm just going to say for the record. It doesn't mean that everyone in this church is not eating for 21 days. <laughs> in fact, I don't know if there's anyone, and I don't need to know, and, and, and I think that's scriptural too. But, you know, uh, but there may be someone that's doing a total fast. And I just want to make sure if you weren't here Wednesday, for those of you who were, I'll give you a pass. I'm not going to. Uh, highlight anybody, but if you weren't here Wednesday for our first session on fasting, please come this Wednesday. And you'll hear why during the course of this message, I believe that this is important. But believe me, if you missed last Wednesday, it doesn't mean that you've missed something that now you can't catch up this Wednesday. There's four more sessions on this, and I'm telling you, I believe this from the bottom of my heart. What I'm going to speak to you about today is a necessary thing in this day and age that we live, in this world that we live, and the skewing more towards evil in this world that we see. This is the time to use every spiritual weapon we have in our walk daily. Now, I don't mean fasting daily. I'm just saying, and there's all kinds of fasts. I just want to say this for the record. People that may not understand, most of you do, it's okay. You don't, there's fasts that aren't total fasts. Sometimes they are. You may fast total fast for a day. You may do it for three days. Some may fast a total fast for 21 days. Or you may do a sunrise to sunset fast. That's, that's another type of fast. There's meal fast. There are partial fast. There are dietary fast. There's a lot of things. But what the key thing is, is that you exercise this spiritual bond. I'm going to just tell you that you have in your arsenal to fight back the darkness. Fasting is a key part of that. And so I want you to just, I don't want people to be overwhelmed or intimidated by it, but I want you to embrace it, and I'm going to get right into this. So breakthrough, there's going to be a couple of messages I think God's leading you to on breakthrough, but this one is about fasting, and I want to highlight on a couple of key words. One is humility, another is repentance, and another is breakthrough. And that's why I titled this, because breakthrough just seems to be the word. Everywhere I'm turning, it's breakthrough. And I know I need it. I believe I know there are people here that need it. This church needs it, and we're going to see it. Amen? All right. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 to 21. It's going to be on the screen if you want to follow along with me. It says this. When they approached the crowd, a man came up to Jesus, kneeling before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and suffers terribly. This is the amplified version I'm reading from. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they were not able to heal him. And Jesus answered, You unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I put up with you? 
Bring him here to me. Do you think there's a little frustration in Jesus' voice there? He was a man now. It was okay for him to be frustrated a little bit. I think he was. Bring him here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the boy was healed at once, immediately. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and asked, Why could we not drive it out? He answered, Because of your little faith. And the Amplified Version says, defining your little faith as your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. Now, I'm going to tell you, folks, sometimes we lack confidence and we lack trust in the power of God. Not to be critical. I'm just telling you this. I do. So I'm sure at some point, some of you do. It's okay. What we got to do is push through that. But that's what he's telling the disciples. Because of your little faith, for I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have, Amplified says, living faith. If you have faith, living faith, that means active faith. True faith, believing faith, faith that's active and working in your life. If you have living faith, the size of a mustard seed. When we were in Israel, we had one of those. Dominic, you gave me one of those one time. That, have you ever seen a mustard seed? Everybody knows, well, I know it's small. It's like it'll evaporate in your hand. <laughs> it's not, it's that kind of a seed. Something, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there. And if it's God's will, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. That's Jesus speaking. I need people believe it. You believe the words of Jesus? Not my words. That's his words. That's what he's saying. Or are we caught up sometimes in not having a, having a lack of trust and confidence in the power of God? And then here's the most important thing. And there's some different versions of this. I won't go into all that today. We talked about it this week, in fact. But this kind, Jesus is saying, but this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, he's talking about this kind of demon is what he was specifically, specifically referring to. But I want to expand on that a little bit about what my interpretation of this is. And I think that's supported in, in other people who've made commentary about this passage of Scripture. But this kind, there are different kinds of things that we struggle with. You have different kinds of struggles. You have different kinds of challenges. You have different kinds of addiction. You have different kinds of depression. You have different kinds of things that the enemy is attacking you with. They're not all the same. They're not all the same for you, and they're not all the same for me. And even the things that I have and that you have, there are different kinds of things. And I believe, and I think Jesus is saying here, that there are just some kind of things that we're going to come against that can only be dealt with by not just prayer, but prayer and fasting. You want to see breakthrough, we're going to talk about it. Now, the reason I say that's so important is because there are many things like, and I won't go into all of them, but there's a lot of things you can just pray for, and it's like you have a bad thought. You say something that's wrong. You can ask for forgiveness. You ask God to show you grace. You ask Him to help you in the future. You repent. You move on and say, I want to improve whatever it is that I'm doing. Lord, help me get better. And, you, or, and praying for your children or praying for other things. God hears your prayers. The Word clearly says that. He hears you every single time. Okay? But there are some kind of things that require a different type of, 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 of application of spiritual warfare. We're going to talk about that as we get forward. 
And that Jesus' disciples were able to do many things through the authority given to them in the name of Jesus, in his name. They were able to, to have miraculous things happen. And, but when they came to this demon-possessed man, they were just not able to, to, to deal with that. It was a different kind. So Jesus told them, I think, the reason that he couldn't, that they were not able to set him free is because some of those spiritual breakthroughs come only through prayer and fasting. That's what he said. So why is fasting so important? God expects fasting to be a part of a daily, not, not, not your fasting daily, but an ongoing walk with him. If you want to be a Christ follower, fasting needs to be a part of your spiritual disciplines. Does anybody, do you know that? Not just 21 days in January. Fasting needs to be in whatever form that it is. Again, I talked about that a little earlier. If you want to know more about those kind of things, come Wednesday. Come the next week. We're going to be talking about that. But it's crucial because it is in Scripture all through, and it is crucial as we are Christ followers to make fasting a part of what we do. Here's three things I'm going to talk about specifically as to what that might be. One is that it shows humility. How many people are humble enough in their life today? Raise your hand. Stand to your feet, those that are humble enough. <laughs> Humility is something we never have enough of. I remember three years ago, I asked God at the beginning of the year, it was one of my spiritual New Year's resolutions, if you will. And I think I mentioned this to you, Pastor, and, and, and Mama, maybe to Christine, I guess, but I, I don't know that I, well, I have accomplished it. But I, I wanted to, the word that was on my heart for that year, I wanted to do more in making myself humble. And boy, if anybody ever needed it, I did. Humble. I wanted to be humble. And God helped me that. And he is working in me every day. And I am—I have so much more growth in that area than I did then. And I guarantee you a month from now and two months from now, I will have more humility. And the reason, not because of my power, but because I'm putting it in his hands and he is helping me every day walk in humility. Here's why it's important. True humility will get God's attention. It will get his attention. 1 Peter 5, 5 says this, listen. Likewise, you who are younger, and boy, there's a lot of people in here that are younger people, like some of the older people. Boy, if you are a younger person, whatever you want to define that as, take advantage of the spiritual wisdom and guidance of the people in this church. Be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. Do you know how many problems in this world, in our families, in our workplace, in our interpersonal relationships, wherever they may find us, in our church family, would be resolved and settled if all of us were in walking in true humility to one another? I think whatever the percentage would be, like 95%. It would solve most every problem that there was. And it goes on to say, so close yourselves with humility, Toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now, that's an extremely important verse, and here's why. Because God opposes the proud. It doesn't mean he doesn't love the proud. It doesn't mean he won't forgive the proud. It means that he is not going to be able to give you everything he wants to give you in your life, that he wants to do in your life, and you're not going to be able to move forward in it and embrace it and receive it. If you're proud as opposed to humble, he opposes the proud of those that don't walk in humility. And to get somewhere with God, I believe true humility is required. 
The good news is he gives grace, the scripture says. He gives grace to the humble. And it's not just grace. We've had, we've all, if we've accepted the Lord, we've had enough grace. We don't need any more grace. We need it. But if there was never any more grace, that's enough. The fact that he sent his son, died for our sins, and we can have by embracing that and accepting that and living in that, we can spend eternity in the presence of God. That's grace enough right there. But we need grace in other areas of our lives. Not just salvation grace. We need grace to deal with daily circumstances. We need the grace when somebody wrongs us. We need grace when we're walking around and something happens that, that the enemy wants to come against us. We need God's grace in every circumstance. And fasting is a supernatural way, a spiritual way, to truly humble yourself. To bring yourself into that depth of humility. And sometimes we may feel like, you may feel like I do, that I'm trapped in a corner, I've just, i got so many things going on, and I just don't know what the answer is, I don't know the way out, and, and, and I've got to make a decision. Am I going to try to rearrange all the pieces on the chessboard and try to figure it out analytically on my own? Or am I going to try to just be humble before God, trust Him in His power, and let Him do what He wants to do? That's a decision that we all have to make many times. And another person that decided that in the scripture is, is Ezra in the Old Testament. How many people have ever read the book of Ezra? Not look at chapter 8. A lot of it is genealogy and some other things, but there's some really, it's a, it's a great story. I'm not going to go into all of it here. But it's an example of how humility moves God into action. Now, he knew, Ezra did, he knew where to go to get the answer. In fact... He knew that he could get God's attention through humility and through fasting. And he said in verse 21 of chapter 8, he said this, Then I proclaimed a fast that we might humble ourselves before God. He proclaimed a fast that we will humble ourselves before God. So see, we don't fast. If we're going to fast in, a true, in true humility and in, in a true spiritual fast, we're not going to fast to try to force God's hand into something that we want. We're not going to try to twist his arm until we say, Uncle. You ever done that? Like with one of your siblings or like your, say, Uncle, say, Uncle. No, it, it, that's not it. What we want to do is just, is to be in that true humility where God's attention is fully, it, it, you've gotten God's full attention. And when difficulties come and the enemy tries to bring us down, and I know that happens to me, I know it happens to you, I'm sure, unless you're unlike everybody else in this world, the time at that point is not to complain or to try to blame or to find some other thing or an excuse or, or wallow in self-pity. The time then is to humble yourself before God and seek what he wants. So why not when those times come in your life, whenever they may be, they may be here today, they may be here tomorrow. Whenever those times come, why don't you find some form and fast and let God work in your life just like he did in the life of Ezra and the Israelites. And this is what happened. So, well, let me, let me say this first. There's something I talk about a lot, and it's called a, a, a pathway to blessing. I believe there's pathways to blessing. I'm not saying I'm the only one who said this. I'm just saying I think about things that way all the time. I look at it like a pathway, like a little winding path. And I see things on that path sometimes that are debris. Have you ever seen somebody that's littered and you just, does it drive you nuts? Thank goodness my children did not do that. I, I mean, I, I mean, I would, I don't know what I'd do if I ever saw them. I see times all the time where somebody takes a full bag of McDonald's stuff and just throws it out the window and it's laying there on the road. Sometimes I try to pick those up when I can. 
But you see it all around, litter everywhere. I think sometimes there's debris on our pathway of life. Sometimes it's self-created. We've littered it with things like sin in our life or other things. Or there could be attacks or obstacles by the enemy on that pathway. And what we want to do is we want to try in every way possible to clear that pathway so that the pathway to blessing is clear. That means that God can move down that pathway with his blessings towards us. We can move towards him, clearly opening up that pathway so that we can receive the full measure of blessing that God has for us. Okay, now if that's the case, then how do we do that? Well, one way is that is what I was speaking about is that humility factor. And First Peter, we read that just a moment ago. Verse 6 in that same chapter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore... Under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time, he may exalt you. You want to be great? Be humble. You want to be a servant? Or you want to, you want to be exalted? You want to be raised up in some way, shape, or form, whatever that is? I don't mean in a material way or that kind of thing. But you want things to happen in your life? Do what Jesus did. Be a servant. Be humble. I don't know if there's ever a person any more humble than Jesus was and had every reason not to be. So true humility is going to open up and clear out that pathway. How many people believe here today that God's way is the best way? There is no other way in my mind. It's always the best way. But yet, there's so many times that we run into these situations, like I said before, that instead of, you know, humbling ourselves, we complain or we come up with schemes or manipulations or things to try to figure out all the answers under our own power. And I'm here to declare to you today that that does not. It doesn't work. That is not the way. And Ezra said this in, 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 the, in, in his story, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, that he could have complained to the king. He could have gone in there and whined about things, but he didn't. Instead, he decided that he was going to do what he had been declaring to the king and really preaching to the king all of this time. You see, if Ezra had, had gone in and, and, and complained to the king, he would have not only not glorified God in what he was doing, and we'll talk about this in just a second. He wouldn't just not be glorifying God. He would be ruining the testimony that he had established in his leadership during that time. And again, in chapter 8 of Ezra, it says this, For I was, I was ashamed, so he was ashamed, to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to accompany us and protect us from the enemies along the way. What was happening is they were going to Jerusalem and, uh, and in this travel, they were going to be carrying a lot of wealth with them, gold, silver, other things. And, and, and they were worried about protection, rightfully so, because of all of the things that they were carrying to Jerusalem. And, of course, so what he's looking at is the king could provide a lot of protection for that. But instead of doing that, he said he was ashamed to do that. After all, we had told the king, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him. Do we have this verse? Ezra 8, 22 and 23. So it says this, though, our, our God's hand of protection is on all who worship him, but his fierce anger rages against those who abandon him. That's what they have been telling the king. So it goes on to say this, it says, in verse 23, it says, So we fasted and earnestly prayed that our God would take care of us. And then it says this, And he heard our prayer. We fasted and we prayed. Instead of asking the king for the help, for the protection, 
instead of going back and ruining their testimony and not glorifying God and doing whatever else that may have been, instead what they did is they went and they fasted and prayed, and God heard their prayer. And then the end of the story is, is that they were delivered safely with all of the things that they were carrying in, in that journey to Jerusalem. So fasting shows humility, and it shows this as the second point. It shows a repentance that's different, I think, than any other repentance that we have. Now, repentance is a whole other uh, series of sermons that you could talk about. But true repentance, when you're in a fasting place and you are repenting, God is going to be in a place to put forth mercy and forgiveness even in a different way than he does in all of the other times that we've approached him asking for forgiveness. There's something about being repentant and being in a place where you are fasting before the Lord. And uh, there's another verse I want to share with you, and that's Joel 2.12. It says this. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Remember that, all your heart. With fasting, weeping, and mourning. Fasting, again, is mentioned there. But God wants to know that we're serious. I think, I'm going to say this this way. He wants to know I'm serious. He wants to know that I'm serious and not just on the fence with him. We're motivated by short-term emotion or other things of that nature. He wants to know that I'm serious. And I think that when we're in a place where we are willing to fast and be in that humility and be in that true depth of repentance, I think he knows that we mean business about pleasing him. I believe that. I believe he knows that I mean business when I use that. So, again... Joel 2.13, the next verse there says this, Don't tear your clothing in your grief, which was the custom of the day to rent garments. Don't tear your clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. There's the word hearts again. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not to punish. Many people know that God does not punish us. There's a judgment, but, but, but God's not a punishing God. He's a loving God. He, he, he is eager to relent and to, and to deal with us in the circumstances that we have and not to punish us. But again, true repentance. And I think fasting is a place where we can get into that depth of not only humility, but humility. Believe me, if you want to be truly repentant about things in your life, be humble. <laughs> because humility will make you feel more Repentance. So, I think God's calling us to that. I think if we really want the full measure of God's grace and mercy and, and, and all the things, especially the grace I was talking about before, if we want that full measure, we've got to have humility. We've got to have true repentance. And also, the other thing it's going to do is it's going to give you power. Being in true repentance is going to give you power over the flesh. Now, many times we talked about this, or I showed you these words that, that were on there. On the, on the screen of these verses. See, many times I think, I think, repentance is in our head, but not in our heart. And, and I'll give you an example of what that is. I think we have two different personas or, or, or projections that we have, or, or lives that we live, really. One is one that's clothed in the ones that all of you see. Every one of you sees what we're clothed in. That might be, think of it like, well, like either clothing or like a husk on an ear of corn. That just is covering you. And that's what everybody sees you as. They see you as whatever that might be. Then, okay, so that's one thing. That's your head, or I would describe your head. Then there's the other. That's your inner life. 
that only you, maybe your wife, maybe somebody very close to you, your husband, say wife, husband, close family member, knows a little more than others, but they still don't know at all. There's certain things that only you know in your inner life, and you know it, and God knows it. That's it. There are two different ones. That's your heart. Okay, so you've got your head and your heart. There's an outer thing, there's an inner thing, and it's a head and a heart situation. And so what I wanted to, uh, to try to explain there is fasting is a way to take things from our head and the way that we look at it that way truly right into our heart. And when we get things down in the depth of our heart, that's where the power of the flesh can be broken. It can be broken by that alone. There's a story of a kid that uh, I was reading. I saw it somewhere, and it was funny, I thought. It's a little boy, and his mom is telling him to sit down. Has anybody ever told a child to sit down, and they just don't do it? (laughs) So he's like, say, little Johnny, whatever. I'll just say Jackson. That's the name I ought to use because that would be a good one because I think we do this quite often. Jack, or whatever it might be that you're asking to do, but in this case, sit down. Johnny, sit down. He stands up. He's still standing up. Mom says, Johnny, I said, sit down. He's standing up. He's standing up. So now we get to this point. How many people have ever counted? (laughs) Johnny, I said, sit down. One, two, three. And when he said the third, when she said three, he sat down. He crossed his arms. He looked up at his mama. And he said... I'm sitting on the outside, but I'm standing on the inside. <laughs> now, believe me, I have a son that does that exactly. <laughs> and sometimes I think that's the way it is, that sometimes on the outside we're in this way. But what is really on the inside? Where is our heart? And I think if you look at it where you're, where you're going to get things from your head to your heart, the spirit becomes stronger. And when the spirit, when the, and the fasting is what's going to help do this too, when it becomes stronger than the flesh, the spirit wins. The power over the flesh will only come through prayer and fasting. That's, I mean, if there are certain kinds or certain things that that's where that's going to come from. So fasting will show humility, and it will show the evidence of true repentance. And let me tell you this. This is the last thing. This is the main thing, I think, of this message today. And that is fasting is the key to spiritual breakthrough. It's the key. It's not that you can't have breakthrough without fast. Don't get me wrong. It's not that God doesn't hear our prayer. I'm just saying that it is the key to many spiritual breakthroughs. Not all, but many. And it is a weapon that God expects us to use. I'm going to show you in a second. He expects us to use this weapon. I've preached here before about the armor of God. Put on the full armor of God. I believe in that. Every day I do that. Sword of the Spirit. Shield of faith. Helmet of salvation breastplate of righteousness. And I encourage you, put on the form of God. Say it just like I did every day. Ephesians 6. Get out there and be ready to do battle because for sure when you get up in the morning, you're doing a battle spiritually if you're a believer. Is that right? There's battles that we're facing every single day. There's not a day that the devil takes off. He doesn't say, well, I'm going to sit out today. It just doesn't work that way. And so, if you... If you look at it like this, all of those things are spiritual defense, armor, sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon. That's the word of God. If you believe, as I just said, that you are in a real spiritual 
warfare every day, it requires spiritual weapons. We don't fight in conventional sense. A lot of people here in the military have been in the military. We don't fight with airplanes and guns and knives and bombs. That's conventional warfare. We don't do that. We fight with spiritual weapons in the unseen realm. In the spirit realm, that's what the scripture says, that we are doing battle there. And fasting, I want to come to tell you, in whatever form that you take it, start in one place and let the Lord lead you into a, into a growth in how you use fasting in your life. Fasting is the spiritual atomic bomb. Now, I hate to have to use a term like that, but that's what I'm trying to do to get the point across. It is a weapon unlike any other that we have. It is a weapon that will produce... Results. And I, and I believe this, and this is why I'm preaching about this today. I think so much about the fasting part of it in this particular message is because I think, I'm not talking about you. I'm saying that the, there's people as a whole that I know. I'll throw myself in there. I know I do. I don't think that we as Christ followers use the capability that God has given us and the instruction that God's given us as a routine spiritual discipline in fasting. I just don't think we do. Not to the extent that he is leading us and calling us to do. I just don't think that we do. It's not a criticism. It's a challenge. I hope I'm making you feel uncomfortable when I say that because I'm making myself feel that way. Because I know what this is talking about, and I need to do it even more. And that is, again, it's not just 21 days in January. This is, a, this is a part of our spiritual discipline in a life that we live week by week, month by month, year by year, or should be. And we don't choose to use it. And Jesus said he expects us to use it. And in Matthew 6, 16, he said this. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. I want you to look at that second word there. What does that say? When. Jesus is making the assumption that we fast. He didn't say if you fast or the times that some of you feel like doing it or maybe for the ones that like to do it or the ones that don't or can or can't. No, he is making the assumption of the expectation. And by the way, I looked this up in about ten different translations of the Scripture, and it all says that. That word is intentional. It wasn't some mistake. When you fast. That's, Jesus is speaking to each and every one of you here today. He's speaking to me today. When he is making the assumption that we are fasting, there's an expectation that we do it. So if that's the case, why don't most of us do it? Crickets, crickets, crickets. (laughs) Why don't most of us do it? I mean, really, just think about it for a minute. I'm not asking you to answer anything. I don't have anybody, just so you'll know, I don't have anybody in mind. I'm not, I don't even have this church in mind. this This is something for everybody. But I think most Christians, most believers don't do it because they just don't see the sense of it. They don't know if it makes any sense. They think, well, how is skipping a meal being, you know, make, making me feel, uh, get a headache or, or, or get, uh, get cranky or, this, or do what my wife said the other day. And, 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 and I don't want to talk too much about this, but she is fasting and she's got her fast thing that she's doing. And, and for whatever reason, she bit my head off on something the other day. <laughs> I'm exaggerating. If you know her, I don't even know if she's capable of biting somebody's head off. But she's, but she did something, and it was like, I was like, whoa. I said, what's going on? She says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, honey. I'm hangry. You know what hangry is? It's a combination of hunger and anger, and I don't really think that was true. That was a word she was using because I don't know if I've seen her angry, truly angry. Okay? But, you know. 
How, so you think, how is it going to help anybody if I'm angry? I'm walking around. All, well, okay. What you don't realize is this. Listen to this one sentence. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Fasting breaks down barriers and strongholds in the spiritual realm. Fasting breaks down barriers and spiritual strongholds in that spiritual realm. It does it. The word says it as Apostle Paul says this. Talk about weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, that means the flesh means we walk around in this world in the natural. We get in a car, we have to drive somewhere. We, we, we have to get up and go and buy our groceries. We have to do all the stuff that we do. Everything that we do on our daily routines, all of that. That we walk around in the flesh, but we are not waging war according to the flesh. We're not waging this war on the rules of the world. We're waging it in this way, that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not those conventional weapons I talked about, but the ones that he gives us have divine power to destroy strongholds. It's not that it's going to make that stronghold just be weakened a little bit. That scripture is telling me it has the power through the divine nature of God to destroy them. If you have a stronghold in your life today or your family has a stronghold, if it's a stronghold of not coming to salvation, if it's a stronghold of addiction, if it's a stronghold of whatever it is that's in your life, I'm here to declare to you today with absolute certainty that there is a method and a pathway that you can destroy that stronghold in your life. And you can do it today. You can start it today. It's not limited. He's not limited. Look, God's ways are higher than our ways. We've seen this verse in Isaiah. I love this verse. This is one of my favorite. I mean, this is just like, man, I talk about this, I think about this, I, I recite this. Most of you have heard it, I'm sure. Look at this. Just, just think about this. Right? Isaiah is, the prophet Isaiah is saying, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. So the Lord's saying this through Isaiah. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Praise God. Can somebody say hallelujah for that? Because I got to tell you something. If that was not the case and his ways weren't higher than my ways, we'd have a big problem. He wouldn't be much of a God, would he? We got to trust in that, man. My thoughts are not your thoughts. My ways are not your ways. So get out of the way and trust me and let me work in your life. That's what he's talking about. We've got to accept and understand that we are battling in the spirit realm, and that's where the breakthroughs need to occur. And we know that his ways are higher than our ways, so trust his plan. Trust his plan. And let me tell you, if you try to wait and figure this out on your own, in your own mind, and all your analytical capability, to try to figure out how to fast, when to fast to do it, get caught up in all that, you'll never do it. Just do it. Nike, swoosh. <laughs> Just do it. Some people would say, well, that's just, cra-. I've heard people say this, and I, well, that's just silly, that's crazy. Going out and not having food, that's, that nothing's going to change what happens. Well, let me tell you something. There's, I could tell you, I could give you ten examples, I'm going to give you three. You think they told Noah that he was silly and he was crazy and he was building that big boat? Well, the scripture said that they mocked him. You're crazy, what are you going to Where's the water? How are you going to get that big boat to the water? Oh, 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 oh. I can see him elbowing himself, having a good time. They thought he was crazy. You think that they thought David was crazy when he was going to go fight Goliath? 
Well, yeah, they did. They were like, what? You can't, what are you talking about? You are going to go fight him? That was silly, wasn't it? For them to even think he was going to do that. It was silly for Noah to build that big stupid boat. What in the world? Now, we know how the story ends, so it's easier for us to process. Think about if you were there then, and you're watching David go out there against this guy. Or you're watching Noah build this thing for all these years, and you're like, what in the world is that crazy man doing? Or Mary. You think some people would have thought she was crazy or silly to say, oh, yeah, no, I'm a virgin, but I'm pregnant with the Messiah. I'm not saying it's to make, I mean, to be too, too, too much jest on the, on, on Mary here at all, but I mean, I'm saying there are people that in that time, you would think, well, that's just crazy. Guess what, though? Here's the thing. They were just silly enough to believe. I'm just silly enough to believe. I'm crazy enough to believe. They were crazy enough to believe. I'm asking you to join me in being crazy enough to believe that God's word is true. Take him at his word. Do what he's asking you to do and wait for the breakthrough. Because it will happen. It will happen. God said this kind, whatever that kind is for you today, it only comes through prayer and fasting. I, for me, for Billy Register today, speaking here, declaring this to you, I'm declaring that I'm silly enough and crazy enough to believe it. That's just the way it is. I'm taking it as word. Paul said again that people that aren't now, if you're not a believer here today, that's okay. You can be. You can change that today. Get on board. Find out what God's doing. But if you're a believer and you've been here and you've been in this life, you will understand this maybe more than others. But Paul wrote this, that people that aren't spiritual people, that aren't in this, they don't understand what we're talking about. And it says this in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14. The natural person, Paul writes, does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Anybody ever encountered anybody like that? People in the, that aren't believers, they don't know anything, they don't accept it. It goes on to say this, for they are folly. Look that word up. That means nonsense, crazy. People think you're nuts. They make fun of it. They're folly to him or her. And he or her is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So if you want more discernment in your spiritual life, you can do that by humility, by true repentance, by using fasting to go into spiritual breakthrough. And you will see that discernment. So I believe this. As I close here now, I'm going to tell you, we must be, this church must be, I believe the nation of Christians must be. But we have to be a people of not just prayer. Prayer is it. So I will never minimize prayer in anything I ever that will be uttered out of my mouth. But we have to be a people of prayer and fasting. In whatever way the Lord leads you to do it. There's not one size fits all. There are different dietary restrictions people have. I'm not asking anybody to be irresponsible. Do what God's leading you to do. If you need to, talk with your doctor about it. But do it in some form or another. Come Wednesday and learn about it. We'll talk more about it. And, be, and, and we're going to be talking about different kinds of fasting and that kind of thing. So if you want, listen, if you're serious about wanting to see your family members come to know the Lord, if you're serious about wanting God to move in miracle fashion in our community, our churches, our nation, our world, in, in this building, if you're serious about that, remember what Jesus said. He didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. That's for all of us. When you fast. However you do it, that's
that's a different conversation. Don't get overwhelmed and caught up in it all. But as a part of the, your spiritual weaponry, your spiritual warfare, and as a part of your spiritual disciplines, it needs to be that we are a people of prayer and fasting. If we want to live like Jesus, Rob, could you come? If we want to live like Jesus, be like Jesus, then we need to be humble like Jesus. We need to embrace the repentance that Jesus offers us through his sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection. And we need to believe God that there are some kinds, some kinds of things that we're dealing with that don't just need prayer, but they need prayer and fasting. Can I hear an amen? Not for me. I don't want to hear it from me. I want to hear that you're hearing this. Think about this just for a moment. Just this last thing. We want to live like Him and take up our cross every day, deny ourselves what He asked us to do, take up our cross and really follow Him. Well, if we're going to follow Him, there's a lot of things and instructions He's given us, no doubt about it. But one of them is this. When we fast. Not if. How you do it, I'm going to leave that up to you and God. But if you really want to see breakthrough on things that seem to be stuck, I'm going to encourage you today. I'm going to ask you today to think about what I shared with you today and embrace this in a way that you apply it to your life and use it as a weapon against what the enemy has in store for you. And if you want to learn more about it, come on Wednesday. There's a book out there right now you can take and read, and this afternoon you could be finished reading it. God's chosen fast.